Hello, podcast listener. If you're a fan of the 100-plus episodes of the United Podcast, you can show your appreciation by voting for us on the Sports Podcast Awards. Head to sportspodcastawards.com and click Vote Now. You'll find us in the Best Team Podcast category. We'll include a link and info in this episode's description. Thank you, and please enjoy this week's episode with Bastian Schweinsteiger. Now Blint whips it in. 1-1. Bastian Schweinsteiger opens his Manchester United account right on 45 minutes. Another follow-up, Schweinsteiger, it's in. Bastian Schweinsteiger, in off the post, on the line. That's nodded down, Schweinsteiger! Oh, this is great stuff now. Schweinsteiger scores his first Old Trafford goal for Manchester United. Hello and welcome to a very exciting episode of the United Podcast. Helen, how are you? Sam, I am good. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, first thing we should know is no David May today. He is currently on a flight. He's heading off to Spain, isn't he, on his jollies? Yeah, classic Maisie, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here for this one because I think he would have really liked this. Oh, there's no way he wouldn't have liked it. Two serial winners together. Yeah. That would have been so good. Who's the other one? <laughs> <laughs> If he listens, it'd be cross now. He's not going to listen, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, a, a World Cup winner, an eight-time uh, Bundesliga winner, a German Cup winner, an FA Cup winner, a Champions League winner, technically a Europa League winner, a Club World Cup. He's just won everything. Yeah, I can't imagine that's an easy one to explain. Kristen Press had won it twice. She couldn't explain it. And incidentally, Maisie wasn't here for that podcast either. He just doesn't turn up for the World Cup winners. Which is bizarre. They're the ones you want to talk to. Just amazing career. And like it was such a surprise that Bastian Schweinsteiger was coming to Manchester United. I'm still surprised he's coming on our podcast. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Because you still think, oh, he's playing at Bayern Munich. He's an absolute mm-hmm. Bayern Munich legend. A bit like Scalzi, you know, for us, just a player you would never really expect to leave. Yeah. And move to another club. You'd probably think he would finish his career there. So when the news came that he was moving to Manchester United, I remember being in shock and I'm sure lots mm-hmm. of Manchester United fans were in shock with excitement, obviously, as well. Uh, did you did you know him when he was there? Did you see him much? When I he was did. United? And do you know what? He was such a friendly guy. I used to see him actually going out for walks with his wife and his dad was always actually there as well. But just a really respectful, lovely person is what I remember of him. Ah. Oh. Well, I suppose the sensible thing to do is find out if that's still true. Let's do it. Question one, are you still lovely? Here's Bastian Schweinsteiger. Bastian, welcome to the Manchester United podcast. Hi, uh, nice to hear you. Good to see you guys. We are absolutely delighted to have you on the podcast. Are you a podcast listener? I am. Do you like podcasts? Yes, I am very much. It's very interesting and uh Especially, you know, like driving in the car or doing driving a car or like uh, sometimes at home. It's, it's, it's nice to hear a podcast. Have you listened to ours? I did. Yes, I did. Oh, wow. Good answer. Yeah, <laughs> Good start. But, but you know who you should get 100%? Uh, Ralf Rangnick. Yeah. He loves it as well. So do you know Ralph well? Um, yes, I actually know him quite well. He's like uh, since like as a coach for Stuttgart or Schalke, but... Um, Especially when he was working for Red Bull uh, Leipzig, he was um, he was doing some great things like uh, how he works, how he sees the game, how he sees a club. He really can help Man United with creating a new uh, area uh, era. I think like with um, not only the game on the field, also for the whole club. And I think. Um, 
that's what is needed a little bit at the moment. And that's why I think he's the right person. He's definitely uh, someone who can, um, yeah, rebuild a club, let's say. That's good news. Um, Bastian, if I can ask you where you are, you I think you said you were in Germany. Yes, right now I'm in Cologne in Germany and uh, working for the TV channel. So, so which language are your children speaking at the moment? They are speaking at the moment. They speak English, German, Serbian, Spanish, and we call it Bavarian language. You know the Bavarian language? I've heard you talk about it. It's like a slang kind of German, is that correct? Yes, it's uh, <clears throat> around the Munich area. You have a special German language. It's kind of this, I guess, the Scouse accent, similar. <laughs> Um, but not easy to understand for other people. That's why my 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 former teammate Thomas Miller and myself on the field on the pitch when we were playing against a team from the north of Germany, and we had a corner. We were talking in the Bavarian language, uh, and no one understood where we we're going at. Wow! So only people in Munich speak that. Yes, I. I mean, you grew up with that accent so I think people from Berlin or Hamburg have no chance to understand you so wow um, that was perfect for us secret language having on the pitch that's, yeah. why, that's why probably Bayern yeah. Munich is always winning the Bundesliga yeah so you teach your children that now too are they showing interest in football or tennis skiing what are they showing an interest in at the moment books cars oh good but <laughs> very important for me is that they learn skiing and my wife Anna as well, because I need someone, I need some company, you know, when you go into these little uh, cottages or houses, you know, in the mountains and to have this beautiful Bavarian, Austrian food, uh, I need some company. So that's why uh, yeah, skiing is important. But obviously, tennis and football is also, I think they're getting there slowly more. We'll get to the skiing and certainly to the football. Um, but you mentioned they love books. Obviously, you've got a book coming out, right? Uh, yes, actually, it's releasing uh, tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. Uh, so we're releasing the book in Berlin. I did try and translate into English, but I think it's better for you to tell us what the title <laughs> is in German and in English. So it's called uh, Einer von euch, which which means uh, I'm one of yours. And um, the author of the book is uh, is Martin Sutter, um, famous. Uh, uh, book writer from uh, from Switzerland and um, but it's not a typically biography it's uh, it's written a little bit different and um, that's why I like the idea a lot but it's a little bit uh, untypical to 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 that for him it's the first time he would never read a biography so it's a little bit different uh, which makes it more interesting in my eyes it's more like a storybook uh, yes, uh, we call it biographischer Roman. So uh, that's how we say it in Germany. So let's say this way. Um, there is a lot of truth in it. Of course, the stories are right. But obviously, I don't remember which kind of weather or which kind uh, of day it was. So he has the freedom to, to write it in, in his way. But the stories, obviously, and everything is, uh, is, is true, yes. Like when you watch a film and at the end it said this film was based on true events. <laughs> exactly, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't remember <clears throat> when I was skiing the first time in my life. I don't remember the weather conditions there. So he has the freedom to, to write it yeah. in, in his uh, way. 
That's his quality is tell us. Well, talk to us about growing up, uh, firstly, Bastian. I know that we have mentioned skiing. I think it's well known that you could have become a professional skier. But let's talk football first. Was the love of football, I presume, from your father? I think he played, was it second division in Germany? Yes, correct. Um, he was playing in a second division in, in Austria, which is a little bit different. It's kind of third division in Germany, but he was also a pro, uh, skiing racer. So I grew up always, or my brother and myself, we grew up always in winter we were skiing and summer we were playing football. Um, that's more or less how we grew up. So it's, it is a sports family, yes. And how important were things like school or any other hobbies you had when you were growing up? Or was it all just football and skiing and sports? Yes, it was always sports like um, <clears throat> even hockey, ice hockey, tennis, um, whatever we could do outside. Um, ice skating and all stuff um, that's where we were growing up like it's really the whole area where I grew up like you could do we could have done a lot of um, sport activities so we were actually all the time outside so the best moment was when the bell was ringing in school and was like okay school is over let's go outside and do some sports what was your team when you were a child my team you mean my favorite team or my team yeah. I played with your team that you supported sorry Oh, it was, of course, Bayern Munich and the German national team. But then the next jersey I got was a Manchester United jersey. Yes, you're saying all the right things. <laughs> ah, but it's, it's true, it's true. I remember, I even remember we had at home the wake-up call um, was, it was the Manchester United, glory, glory, Man United, that song. That was our wake-up call for my brother and myself. How did that, how did that become part of your world? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I just we just saw the games. We saw Eric Cantona playing. I was a huge fan of him, and uh, so the whole um, yeah, I would say the you know for me, for example, there was Bayern Munich and Manchester United. For my brother, it was eighty sixty Munich, which is the biggest rival of Bayern Munich in, in the city, and Man United. So it was always it always have been the two clubs in our house and um, I think it had to do with Eric Cantona and of course then also when I remember the, the, the final 1990 in Barcelona there were two hearts kind of in my body but United always had great players of course the fans in the stadium everything are fantastic so that's why it became kind of a yeah, love so that you mentioned 1999 you had just signed with Bayern Munich right? exactly it was literally I signed 90. Eight, when I was I was thirteen, became fourteen, and that was actually a year before uh, United won the, the Champions League. And we've obviously we've spoken to people that played in that match. We've spoken to players that were in the Manchester United Academy that were in the crowd. But you're the first person we've spoken to that has an association to Bayern Munich when that took place. And obviously Bayern Munich were after their own treble at the same time as United were after theirs. Was it? upsetting for you because I, as we've discovered you also love Manchester United or did you did you just enjoy it of course upsetting <laughs> I mean the, the way how it ended up also but as I said before like I always had um, some some love for, for United but uh, for me as a Bayern Munich player in that time it was of course uh, very painful and I remember everything where we were sitting at the moment in our uh, youth academy uh, breakfast room we were watching the game actually and um, um, yeah that was uh, 
It was a big defeat for, for the club, but uh, even better that two years later then uh, Bayern Munich became uh, become a Champions League winner. <laughs> so you joined the academy in 1998, as you, as you mentioned. Was your progress in football before that, was it just in local teams before you got spotted by the Bayern Academy? Yes, correct. I actually grew up in a small village and then from there, when I was six or seven years old, I actually uh, changed the club to the next biggest city, which I don't know, 30,000 people living there, so not the biggest, but it's a half an hour south of Munich. And one day, one scout of Bayern Munich uh, asked my family if I would like to join Bayern Munich. Um, and uh, the only problem I had, I actually was skiing a lot, so and I had... Well, um, I had to decide between playing football and uh, or skiing. So I, <clears throat> one moment I was sitting down, I was thinking, okay, skiing, you have to wake up early in the morning. You have a lot of equipment. You have um, to really, 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 really hard work. <laughs> and, and you're always outside when it's minus 20 degrees, so it's cold, you yeah. know. <laughs> football, someone is taking your equipment, um, uh, all stuff. So actually I said, look, Maybe, maybe I try. I try football. What What is the age difference in your brother? What What's the the years between you? Two and a half years. And at this time, was he mainly into football too, or skiing as well? Uh, he was actually much more into skiing. So actually, he yeah. became also a national team skiing racer. And actually, then, but but when then, he was number two or three in his age. And then when he be, when he was. 20 years old he actually stopped uh, skiing and uh, also started uh, playing football and actually he he played then in a second league in germany very sporty family my father my father is the key (laughs) was the key (laughs) so look he had a sports uh shop you know like and uh, in our village and he was sponsoring all the other small teams around the area and whenever he stopped working uh, at 6 p.m he came home the first thing was taking us boys to the football pitch <laughs> and he was the goalkeeper and my brother and myself, striker or defender. So Bastian, when you went to the academy, what position were you playing at that time? I was actually playing a uh, centre midfield and then uh, okay. later on when I actually started playing for the second team in Munich, I became a, a winger and even then in the first team I became a winger and then... Um, I played sometimes as a defensive midfield player, but then actually the first person, the first coach who really changed my position was Louis van Gaal and he put me as a defensive midfield player then and from there on I played only that position. Where did you enjoy to play the most? Yeah, you look, I grew up on that position as a young player, always playing as a midfield player and um, that's why I think I had the most knowledge about that position. And uh, I also must say, as a young player, you, you don't have really the, the right to say, uh, I want to play this position, nothing else. So I was just happy to play uh, in, the, in the first lineup. And uh, that's why as a winger, it was, was good. But I had also like, there were like players like Balak, for example, playing as a central midfield player or Owen Hargreaves. And they were really, really good. So it was not easy as a young player to push them aside. <laughs> Yeah, because you began making first team appearances at just 18 and I think you've said previously you became quite close friends with Owen Hargreaves because he was a similar age obviously and breaking into the first team there too. Yeah, Owen Lee Hargreaves, I always like the, the last, the middle there, Lee. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was my first, I have interesting stories with him because he was actually the first 
player who, who made the step from the youth academy into the first team and he played I think the 2001 final he played as a young player and did really well so I always keep an eye on him he was my idol let's say once he was kicking the ball alone against after training session against the wall and trying to improve his technique and passing and I remember I was 15 16 I stood there next to him alone I was the only one luckily and watched him from the fence and then I asked him if I get his boots uh, after the session I remember those days and so we became friends throughout the years and uh, we have some some things in common, obviously also playing golf and then uh, other players as well. So had a good time. When you were at that that age, so you're looking at people like Owen Hargreaves and thinking, are you thinking that's the level I need to be at if I want to make it here? Did you feel like, because we know with academy setups, only a very few players will make it into the first team and the others will get let go and some will find careers somewhere else and some will make it in football. But for you, did you always feel confident that you could get where you needed to be at Bayern Munich? Did you feel you had that ability? Or was it something you worked at and worked at and worked at? Uh, look, I, was, I wasn't the, haven't been the best talent uh, at Bayern Munich Youth Academy. There were two or three players that were actually better than me. But what I had is like, I enjoyed working hard and uh, I was appreciating what I'm doing. Like, and, uh, and uh, to to get then also once the chance and to use it, um, the, having the right timing, that's important. And um, Owen was for me the role model um, in that age. And obviously there were other players like Oliver Kahn, Balak, Effenberg, big uh, names, which I could uh, watch throughout my, my, my youth academy window a lot um, um, that helped me as well. We've obviously talked to lots of players who have come through the Manchester United Academy. Do you think there's more pressure on a player coming through the academy and making that step to the first team as opposed to maybe being bought by the club at age 26? You've made your mistakes, you're more of a complete player. Do you think it's more difficult to come through the academy? Um, I don't know, but I think it should be in a club more often the case that you... <clears throat> help those youth players to get into the first teams because um, what we had also in Munich was that I had always the feeling the players who were bought they had uh, more uh, they were more attractive yeah. but it should be the other way around it should be like it was in the uh, same like in Barcelona when they had these players coming up from the youth you know like Busquets Xavi and all those players they were appreciating they were helping those players the and the most important is the supporters. They can more. Uh, they are more. Um, they have a better connection to those players who come out of the uh, youth. So that's why I think Ralph Rangnick um, he has those eye for for the youth players uh, at United, and that's important. And I tell you one thing: I when I was um, kind of uh, under under the time with Mourinho when I was training with the second team or the under sixteen um, uh, team of of United. I saw a lot of good players. One of them was Scott um, um, McTominay. When I saw him playing, I was like, of course, this guy will make it for sure. He had those uh, abilities. And uh, so United has a good use team. You just need to use them and give them also the the time to develop. Um, I remember Marcus Rashford, Jesse Lingard in the times when Louis van Gaal was coach. He brought them up to us. and. Uh, you could see they have something and now they're, they're playing for the national team, you know, so 
there's definitely a big chance uh, uh, for the for United to get those youth players in the first team. So would you say that you feel quite passionately then about players coming through an academy system because I suppose they have the bond with with the club already there. They don't have to learn about the club they are living at. Correct. They have the DNA and uh, that's very important um, not only for the connections to supporters but also for the players to feel I'm a United player. I know what United means for me. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes time for a player who, who came abroad and uh, get into a club and to feel the DNA of a club. When I came to United, I remember so much. I could feel this DNA immediately. I could feel this uh, love for the game, this love for, for, for playing for the club to, to wear the, the, the emblem, the, the sign. Um, I could feel that and I could even more feel that when I was talking to uh, United supporters. I mean, it's so wonderful listening to you talk and I don't ever want to interrupt, to be honest. And it's lovely hearing your your thoughts at Manchester United and I, and I will get as many as we possibly can while we've got you. Um, but just while we're still at Bayern Munich, when you entered the first team dressing room and you're playing with some of the players you mentioned earlier, people like Oliver Kahn, who are, who's already a sort of a legend in the game and you come through the academy, is it difficult to start imposing yourself and speaking to those people as teammates and as equals or because you've been a fan of the club is it difficult not to see them as sort of idols <laughs> I'm actually laughing because I remember the first day when I came there and Jesus Christ I really got the seat next to Oliver Kahn in the dressing room <laughs> and I I saw him coming in I was not I think we were I think we were not speaking for one and a half years the only thing what he did he took my towel for his gloves to clean them up you know and I remember those days, but um, I was I was not like fan struck or something like that. But I had huge respect, and uh, I remember I was once then there was no no chair free for me in uh, when we had lunch. I was sitting there on the table with the big guys, and I was sitting there, and then they start talking to me, and of course they made jokes and stuff about whatever what I was wearing or how <laughs> the and then it became kind of a relationship. And to be honest with you, after a couple of uh, years, I was actually really connected to Oliver Kahn. And when he lost his driving license, I was his driver to the training center and also back. So we really became close friends, yeah. Obviously, with so many medals that you did win when you were there, which are incredible moments, do you still look back to your debut, though, as one of the best moments? At Bayern Munich, yes, yeah. it was a, a terrible evening. We already uh, ruled out at the Champions League uh, group. It was the sixth match in the group. The last 20 minutes I came in against the club RSA Lens from France. At the Olympia Stadium, if you remember, it was cold. It has, I think it was like one degree, snowing and stuff. Um, but I remember this days was huge moment for me but even more I remember lifting up the first uh, championship title um, at the stadium that was also special for me and because after you won the league you then played more the following season and I think you won it again and then you went the manager changed and you went back to the reserves right uh, yes correct that must have been strange we got uh, I think who was it Felix Magath he came I think to us and uh, I was a young player I was kind of 
we had the Euros in Portugal 2004. I was kind of the shooting star of the German national team with Lukas Podolski together and I came back. And uh, But I also got injured a little bit, so I was not uh, participating in the training sessions. So he said to me, look, you can start <laughs> at the other field with the second team. You train there, you play there a little bit and then uh, you come back. So more or less I was playing two, three games for the second team and then I came back. The things like that, like... Did it bother you? Did it feel like a little bruised ego or did it make sense because you were still one of the younger players? Uh, of course it was bothering me in the beginning, but I understood in the end what he wanted to, to, to say more or less. Uh, he wanted to push me even more uh, to, be, to become better and better and to train hard. And um, he told me that also like... Uh, Days before he got actually sacked, uh, he told me uh, four eyes, all these uh, stories from that days, and so I was appreciating actually what he was saying then to me. And then your star just continued to rise, and you just kept winning trophies. It must have been, I suppose, when you look back, it must have been an extraordinary period of success with Bayern Munich and success with the German national team. Yes, it was uh, thankfully, but um, my my idea of of playing was always I wanted to help the club to become a bigger club. So my biggest wish was of obviously to win the Champions League, and uh, we had then in four years we played three times the finals in the Champions League, and we won a lot of titles in the in Germany. But I wanted to help obviously with other players as well, like Philipp Lahm, uh, Frank Ribery, Robin, Manuel Neuer, then to reach the step to say that you're able to to actually um, tell the media before the season starts, yeah, we are one of the favorites for the Champions League and we want to win it. And that was a big um, step for me. We reached that moment and actually when I felt, okay, we are there, then I decided to also join uh, United. How much did you enjoy studying the game of football as well? Because... You're well known for being the brain on the pitch. Did you enjoy analysing games in your time? Did you look back on wins, look back at specific games? You know, I always said like to Martin Sutter, I said, I don't like to read books, but I like to read games. And um, I was always, not always following the ball and the situation. I was more interested in what are the players, the other players doing actually on the field there who are not involved in the, in the, in the, uh, at the ball side, you know? So I always had, uh, I think, this kind of ability to see the field and to, to look around to see what happens next, what happens as a next step. And that helped me then, especially uh, when you have more experience, it helps you a lot. And uh, so I was enjoying that, yes. Now, you just mentioned the move to Manchester United. How did that come about? Was it something, were you already thinking about leaving Bayern? Is, is it that Lou Van Howe obviously was manager of Manchester United and also had an opportunity ever come up before because I know as a United fan we would have loved to have you much earlier in your career um, yes because I was actually having my plan with Bayern Munich to win the Champions League and it just took a little bit like we lost to five against Chelsea then <laughs> yeah. as well so uh, but uh, uh, then obviously it was, it was also helping that Luis van Gaal knew me from before and um, but and he was constantly the coach of Man United which I always was uh, a fan of and uh, uh, finally then uh, 2015 it was happening um, Bayern Munich also let me go I was 
happy about it that they understood my my way of thinking as well and uh, yeah I had really like I enjoyed it so much at United um, I remember everything quite well and like so many uh, nice personalities teammates players um, with the right um, heart and uh, obviously the supporters are amazing as well unfortunately um, the second season was a little bit more difficult then so just to check, if if you'd scored your penalty in 2012 and Bayern Munich had won the Champions League, you might have come in 2012. <laughs> could have been, yeah, could have been. <laughs> I did hear you say before that you only ever wanted to go to United if you were to leave Bayern. Is that true? That's true, yes. There was no other club where I was so much interested where I could have said mm, this is the club I want to join there was a club Inter Milan 2010 but that was more forced because Jürgen Klinsmann became coach of Bayern Munich and there was a moment where he wanted to more or less sell me and wanted to buy uh, Alexander Klepp who actually went then uh, to Barcelona but uh, this the transfer didn't happen so I, I, I had to stay and I, I, I stayed actually but United was the only club where I saw myself playing in obviously also red jersey. Huh? No disrespect to Alexander Kleb, but that is a terrible swap of midfielders if you make that decision. Yeah, but you know how it is. Like managers have their own way of thinking of of the game, idea of, of philosophy. So it, in the end, it didn't happen, uh, which is actually a funny story. Uh, but. Um, Everything ended up well then. It still amazes me that only in 2015, whenever you came, you were the first German to play for Manchester United. Yeah. I did read an interview with Rennie Mullenstein when he said Sir Alex had wanted and been interested in signing a couple of other Germans previously. But to be the first, that must have been a big incentive for you to go as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was also surprised about it. I didn't know that. Well, there was two players previously, but they'd never made first team appearances. Yes, exactly. And... Um... So also when I scored the first goal for United and as a German, uh, I remember those days. Very interesting fact. Um, I don't know why it actually never happened. But why do you think? I have no idea. Maybe also the the German players were not so interesting for United as well. Um, How many top level German football players have played around Europe? Mostly, I guess, they're at Bayern Munich. Yes, but... Look, we I remember that there were, there, were, there were a couple of players who were playing for big teams. I mean, even in the past uh, days, like <coughs> Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, one of the best players, like they played yeah. in Italy or they played in Spain. They liked the sun maybe even more, but <laughs> I yeah. I was absolutely interesting in United and interesting in United in everything. And uh, I always say when someone asks me about United, I say, look, I absolutely love the humor over there. That was for me... Uh, <laughs> was for me really, really uh, nice to see. Obviously, living your whole career out in one club is so unique. And then you get to the point when you move. What were the key differences you noticed in training, for example, and in the dressing room? The difference between United and, and, and Bayern, yeah. let's say. Speed, physical as well. But technically, uh, you, uh, Bayern Munich and, and the German national team were maybe a step further already in the, uh, that days. I mean, I, I, I remember that Rui van Raal, he, he actually um, had his own philosophy and actually we were doing well. I remember we were with Leicester that days on a position, on the first position until December or January. And then 
uh, we had some injuries and suspension and then we won the FA Cup final but it wasn't so bad in terms of also when you look at that we that United didn't spend so much money on players if you compare with later on with all the transfers like Pogba Slatan and, and all the players who came in the second season which I actually was looking forward so much to play with with, with Pogba and Slatan for example and other players then but um, it wasn't happening. So the difference, there was a difference. There was a difference in terms of, um, because with Bayern Munich, we won the Champions League. We were beating everyone uh, in 2013. We had the, a way to play football, to dominate the game and also win the games. And it was the same with the national team. We won 2014 the World Cup. So we were, I think, a step further than United at that moment. Obviously, you mentioned wanting to play with Pogba and wanting to play with Zlatan, and this is obviously when Mourinho comes in. And from a from a perspective on the outside of the club, just as football fans, it was very confusing because you weren't playing, and then we found out that you were training with the under twenty threes, and you mentioned earlier the under sixteens and the Scott McTominays. From your view, because I've watched uh, Jose Mourinho's press conference where he said he afterwards and after you left. He regretted that and he said sorry to you. But when that was happening, that must have been very difficult. And did you understand why he made that decision at the time? Look, I was, uh, it was very, very strange. On my birthday, actually, first of August, I came to dressing room, wanted to change. But then someone told me of the United, I'm not allowed to go into dressing room and I have to change in, in um, a dressing room and play with the second team or the under 18 team, I don't remember. I was very hurt because no one was talking to me. Um, then I was talking to Mourinho about it. He explained me something which I did not really understand. And it, it had to do something with my second injury I got because my first injury I got the season before. I got treated by the medical department of, of United and um, then in an easy training session, I got the same injury again. So I asked Louis van Gaal if I can uh, be treated in, in Germany and uh, because we had the Euros 2016 coming up uh, for the national team. And it was always agreed to that. And um, so I did that. I was fit. I played the Euros. I was looking forward to come to United to play with Mourinho which I was actually twice wanted to, to, to buy me, you know, when he was coach in actually Inter Milan 2010 and later on as well at Madrid. But I had a lot of respect for him, obviously, but I didn't understand the, the situation why I was not allowed to, to, to play uh, with the first team because I think there were some, yeah, I would say some different opinions about me being professional or which is not true because I am professional and I actually showed it also then later on I was <clears throat> there and I was training um, with, with with the kids or alone I was training a month on my own for example and then as Mourinho actually apologized and kind of said he made a mistake of course that was uh, nice but I lost my my heart, my love a little bit towards the club and not the fans, not the players, not the people who live in, in Manchester, but it was not easy. And if I'm doing something, I want to do it with my full heart, full energy. 
but it hurts me so much and it was a big pain for me and I couldn't really I couldn't really trust does it affect how you look back at the club now and how you think about your time there no when I look back to to my time in Manchester I always say it was a great step because it helped me a lot uh, it was a huge experience first time leaving the country uh, Germany and Munich um, and I actually became mm, I had great relationships with all the people there so when I spoke to people they they really like appreciated and I also I love United I even uh, I wear the, the jerseys or the shoes or whatever of, of United so I'm a big fan of United but it just hurts me how how a club like United cannot reach being the best and there's a reason for and uh, that's why I think Ralph Rangnick he can help to to change that now you say you love United one thing that I think I don't know if you're aware of this or not because United obviously buy lots of uh, they buy young players with lots of potential they buy players with lots of experience all of them big names but I can't remember United buying a player who was so immediately loved by fans to the level that you were yeah uh, like I, from from day one I think your name was chanted constantly yeah I think people were shocked yeah and, yeah. yeah maybe they didn't have I haven't seen the German <laughs> but I don't know uh, did you find your connection was immediate with the fans yes it was immediately I remember first uh, game I played I was warming up but uh I think we played Newcastle United in that season at home. I know Tottenham. It was Tottenham Hotspur. We won one zero, but I remember warming up on the sides and um, the fans were applauding. And um, I always had this feeling I'm so connected to them. And uh, look, I I think whenever I was able to to play, I had the moment, the, the ability to play for United. I gave my best and. Um, and I think that the United fans have a good understanding for the for the game and for the situation. And um, even nowadays, I think they they feel it. And uh, I remember also some teammates, uh, former teammates, they told me that. I've spent all morning because I knew obviously we were doing this with Deutsche Football Meister going around my head. <laughs> um, you talked about uh, wanting Bayern Munich to be a bigger club, and that's why you wanted to win the Champions League. In terms of what that means and how you see the size of a club. How did United compare to Bayern Munich? At the moment or back in the day? Well, from your experience when you were playing. When I was playing, look, United has more potential, obviously, financially as well, and the stadium and the fans than, than maybe Bayern Munich in their days. But I, the biggest difference is the philosophy and the system, how to build a team and uh, to have players who have the connection to the club and to the supporters and that what we had at Bayern Munich it's not a coincidence that you uh, reach four times in a row the Champions League final and actually you should have won it twice at least and um, um, that was that was maybe the biggest difference between United and, and Bayern Munich that also I must say that in Bayern Munich you have former players um, leading the club um, like Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, Uli Hoeneß, or at the moment it's Oliver Kahn and uh, Salihamidzic, who played also many years at Bayern Munich. I think it's an advantage having um, 
those kind of personalities uh, on top of the club and to make the decisions. And also, of course, we should say you won an endless amount of trophies with Bayern Munich, but at United you won the FA Cup and then although you left before the final, you did te- you won the Europa League, right? How do you compare those medals with your other medals? Look, it's 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 a bit different. Of course, uh, we won the FA Cup that days, and uh, I also was playing it. But the Euroleague, I didn't play so much that day than uh, Mourinho. So I, of course, was was happy for the club and the teammates. But in the end, it's it's it was a Euroleague and not a Champions League. I think United uh, is not a team for the Euroleague, and. Uh, uh, so the other titles, obviously, when you win the Champions League or the World Cup, uh, it means uh, it means it meant more for me. I feel like we're uh, coming to a natural end here. So I'm just thinking of stuff and throwing it at you before we lose you. You said earlier one of the things you wanted was to come to England um, because you always loved the sense of humour. Where was it that came from? Was it TV and stuff? And who was the funniest teammate you had? I mean, Alan, you know even better, but uh, uh, I think. Media, obviously, obviously, of course, but I must say my teammates back in the days, um, medical department people, like every day when I came to the dressing room, there were some funny things and, and, and the humor, characters, um, Waza, of course, and uh, that was just great. All the fans, like, they're always like, it is different than in Germany, look, and uh, that's that's that was for me nice to see. So that's why I I really enjoyed the time uh, back in the days in Manchester, and not only uh, playing for United, also living in Manchester. Yeah, you immersed yourself into the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really uh, I remember. Okay, my wife was back in the day. She was still playing tennis, so um, uh, sometimes she wasn't there, but. I remember all the walks and the golf courses and uh, all the stuff around. But obviously, the, I must say that's also a big difference between uh, Bundesliga and pr- uh, Premier League. The the schedules is completely different. Like playing so many games and intense games. Mm, so if you don't have the best team, and like for example now Manchester City um, I have to say that but when Pep Guardiola when I heard he will uh, sign for uh, City I knew they're gonna win the the league I knew that they will dominate and even right now at the moment uh, it's the case and so then you can enjoy even more playing football it's not always tough 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 so the schedule doesn't hurt you so much and um, yeah, that was my actually it was my dream to help United in a way, but um, to get to that point because I obviously experienced at Munich and national team how to play football to to win the games in an easy way, and uh, we had in the first year, as I said before, like we had moments we were actually leading the the, the ranking, but um, obviously I didn't have the chance, and also Slatan, I think that's also a reason why he left because he didn't uh, feel that. Uh, you've mentioned Louis van Gaal and you've mentioned Jose Mourinho. How much conversation did you have with Sir Alex Ferguson in your time at Manchester United? Because I'm sure that is someone who you looked on from Germany with you know, huge admiration. Correct, huge admiration, but also huge respect. And um, But uh, to be honest with you, I didn't, uh, I di- I didn't speak to him so much didn't see him so many times, so um, 
but obviously he's a great manager, yes, but uh, back in the days, I don't remember um, having a long conversation with him about uh, football. I don't know why, it just made me think of when you got sent off for tackling uh, Wayne Rooney. <laughs> yes, we were talking, that was one of our first conversations we had when actually I uh, yeah. joined the club and I saw Waza. Uh, I still believe he was a little bit diving, but using the, uh, the, <laughs> the situation. Um, but uh, in the end, uh, I think we won. He right? scored though. Yeah, I scored. But I think yeah, yeah, I scored. But I think we won then, right? It was what was the score? It was one-one, right? I think so. Yeah. And then we, I think in, in Munich, I think we won. But anyway, he was diving. <laughs> So, Bastian, what's what's the plan for you going forward? Do you want to coach, manage? What, what's in your sights? I want to first enjoy my family life. Uh, at the moment, I'm very happy about uh, how my life is. Having uh, time for the family, having uh, time working for, for football, for the TV, television, RD, and also have my partner. So it's not that I'm sitting on my sofa and uh, just like doing nothing that's not the case but um, yeah look I'm I love football I love the game there's still uh, when I was watching for example the Euros now and I was watching obviously also the game Germany uh, England Germany or following the Italian teams um, I like to to find solutions on the field maybe one day I, be, I will get closer to the to the pitch again but I don't have the the desire at the moment to to be on the field. I think that's very reasonable. It's hard to um, imagine whatever you do that you won't look really cool doing it. You said earlier <laughs> that your teammates would, when you were first getting in the team at Bayern, that they would take the Mickey out of your clothes and things. And I was obviously we were doing some research and seeing photos and stuff. And like, say like David Beckham in England has a history of terrible haircuts and terrible outfits and stuff, but. He's always got through it. You seem to have just always been incredibly cool. Look, uh, thank you, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad that I think everyone makes his mistake in, in life in choosing the clothes and stuff and or hair colors, whatever, whatever. For me, life is always important. It's more important than, than football. That was always my, my, my way of thinking. So I never let football so close to my heart or body um, life was always more important that's why I'm always a little bit uh, relaxed with the situation but doesn't mean that I'm into it you know so um, I actually found always a good balance between being focused and concentrated but also having a moment of a lot unsurprisingly cool answer good life advice yeah Bastian thank you so much for talking to us thank you for taking the time it's been brilliant to talk to you thank you Helen actually now I know what is my goal uh, for if you ask me for my current goals which I have yeah. beating Anna in tennis do you know what I said to Johnny last night I'm going to ask Bastian if he's ever won a point and he was like loads of people will have asked that question yeah. and you've brought it up <laughs> Have you ever served an ace against her? I did once, but I once. I, I and uh, I, I straight stopped the game. But between us, I'm always leading. I'm always up thirty love, and uh, but doesn't help me. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm always I'm always. She always gives me thirty love up. Oh, she always. Oh, right. Okay, that's the score before you start. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always, always thirty love, thirty love up. So. There's also pressure for her to not make mistakes, but when she starts the engine, 
I'm I'm done. You should have played her when she was like nine months pregnant. Maybe that was the time. I did, Helen. I did oh. play with her when she was eight months pregnant. Still couldn't really like her technique was too good. I tried to move her around the the, the court, but but then <laughs> you know, look now I actually between us I gave up. Um, but I. Uh, I use Anna more as a fitness coach because, you know, when you and I, we would play tennis, probably, Helen, after three balls, one ball will go into the net, one ball will go there or there out. But with her, it's really like you play 20, 30 times the ball back and forth. So your, your, your pulse is always here, you know? So it's hard. And uh, when I want to lose weight, I ask her playing tennis one hour with yeah, just play rally with you. I've been taking tennis lessons myself, actually. Oh, here we go, here we go. How is yeah, the how is yeah. the, the tennis boom in uh, in England? Is it now? Yeah, exactly. Emma Raducanu has created a boom. Is it a case or is it is it just like? Yeah, my children both play, and they they played before she she won the U.S. Open. But the manager of the tennis club said when she won, the influx of phone calls and emails for children to get involved. So that's good news. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean. That's really good. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. So 2022, you want to beat Anna at a game of tennis? Uh, yes. That's a good goal. But if not, switch it round. See how she gets on in a penalty shootout. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I tell you, since seven years, every time on New Year's Eve, I'm telling myself, now it's that's my year to shine on the court <laughs> and beat Anna. So I'll try it this year again and let's see. If not, then one of my boys have to do it one day. Say regards, please, to Johnny. Hope he recovers fast. Tell him I always, I always, I never understood why he had to leave United. And because uh, he has the uh, football IQ and he sees the game always first. That's what I, um, that's why he's doing so well even now. But I will let him know. Thank you very much. I do remember I said to him last night, I vividly remember when I saw on the news that you were going to be signing for Manchester United and I remember his reaction. I remember being in this living room and I said, Bastian Schweinsteiger is going to sign for United and he was like, no way. And he was so excited. So he'll be happy that, uh, that you've said that. That's, that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, we had always a good time. Like, yeah. uh, Also Northern Ireland, when we played Northern Ireland once, I remember. It's the best. The best fans. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> What's actually Paddy McNair doing? Where is he? He is at Middlesbrough. Oh, okay. Because I remember when we were playing the Euros in France, he came after me and he said, can you ask Thomas to give me the jersey, <laughs> Thomas Müller? And I yeah, come with me, my friend. I took him to our bus and then Thomas Müller came and gave me the jersey. He was the happiest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm happy John is doing well. I really, whenever I watch Leicester, I'm always saying to my friends, look, he sees the situations before. He plays it easy, one left. He has left right foot, which nowadays not all the center backs have. Mm-hmm. So and if I compare him with other centre-backs in the Premier League who are playing for bigger clubs, for me he's better than them. Even if he is older, that doesn't mean anything. So I hope he recovers fast. And Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. Bastian, thank you so much and good luck with the book launch. And the tennis. And the tennis. Yeah, and the golf now. <laughs> <laughs> and the nappies. <laughs> <laughs> the nappies, exactly. 
thank you so much. I will give my best. I will let you and know. say hi to Anna. Yeah, I will do. Thank you so much. I will let you know when you will probably see on social media. Uh, yeah, of course. Anna, first time tennis coach. I think it will be on Sky Sports News, breaking news when you beat her at this game of tennis. <laughs> yes, just to know what will happen, but let's see. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, who would have thought our podcast with, as we, I mean, we've mentioned all the trophies over and over again, but Bastian Schweinsteiger would finish with Paddy McNair. Football's a small world. Yeah, that was such a lovely little moment, like getting the shirt and everything. See, people from Northern Ireland, we big names, Sam. Can't avoid you. Uh, he had a lot no. of lovely things to say about Johnny as well, didn't he? He did. That was really kind, wasn't it? It was very nice. Also, really interesting, especially should we get him on the podcast to tell his side, Scott McTominay coming up. Yeah, I think he'll be happy with that. We'll have to note that down for when we get Scott on, because otherwise I'll forget. Scott McTominay and Paddy Mc... Well, we need to get Paddy McNair on then too. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That's an obvious one now. Also, Owen Hargreaves. Owen Lee Hargreaves. Owen Lee. <laughs> I yeah. love the way he, he loves that part of the name. <laughs> yeah. He's just a really cool guy, wasn't he? He was just like so full of enthusiasm. And, and like, I, I felt he really came to life when he talked about the, the more personal aspects yes. of his career, like humour and stuff. I agree. Because do you know what? Being a serial winner... It becomes normal to people mm-hmm. like that. And it's not such a big deal to them anymore. And they actually enjoy talking about the other things. Yeah. It's quite hard to get your head around that because obviously we've spoken to so many people who've just won one trophy or one Premier League title or whatever it may be. And to them, that is like the biggest moment, obviously, in their lives or career. But when you're someone like Bastian Schweinsteiger and you've won so many, it must just become normal. Yeah. You just win and win and win. And then people are like, tell us about winning. And you're like... Pfft. It's just like breathing. I'm just winning. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, and maybe you find interest in different things, the more boring yeah. things that other people find boring. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I completely it understand. It made total sense in my head. Yeah, but I think I think for him, obviously, I guess he's retired, and when he looks back, all of his memories aren't. It seems tied up in those moments of winning. They're tied up in the people, which I guess is what everybody does. It's because nothing means as much without the people you're doing it with, right? Yeah, I think I could learn a lot of life lessons from Bastian. Mm. I'd like to take some style tips. Maybe we should get another podcast, Life Lessons and Style Tips with Bastian Schweinsteiger. In the absence of David May, I will say, Sam, you definitely need style tips. Oh, come on now. He would have definitely said that if he was with us. (sighs) We're all having a nice time basking in the glow of Bastian Schweinsteiger. No, I have to say that podcast made me feel like I was in footballing royalty company. I really did. Similar to Sir Alex Ferguson, it's that kind of... Mm-hmm. feeling it's got a little aura around him doesn't it it does loved it really good also listening to him talk about how uh, you know his view of academies and yeah. how they should work and the you know the relationship of academy players to fans as opposed to somebody you buy in and so on fascinating brilliant podcast love that one Sam so on our list now is Ralph Ranick. we should have asked Bastian to get, to get in touch yeah <laughs> Helen, do I do an email or two? I shall, Sam. I've actually got a very long one, so we'll just make it one today, shall we? Unless you've got any tweets after. But this one is from Joe Fagerston. He says, hello, my name is Joe and I live in Marion, Iowa in the United States. My wife has been encouraging me to write you an email for more than a year now. I've listened to every podcast you've released, which adds up to more than 7,500 minutes. Thank you for that, because we did not know. That's the same as approximately 84 90-minute matches. That's more than two full Premier League seasons. Wow. How's That's your amazing. Maths? 
I can't thank you enough for the incredible work you've done with this podcast. Your questions and conversations with guests have opened my eyes to so many things that helped connect me with the club. I fell in love with Manchester United when I was about 12 years old, but it wasn't until this Christmas, I'm 31 now, that I finally got my first Manchester United shirt and he attaches a picture. Uh, I absolutely love it and I hope I can wear it to a match at Old Trafford one day. Now, a few notes for each of you individually. Sam. I'm listening. I'm very jealous that you and Paul Scholes are friends. Inverted commas. He's my mm-hmm. favourite player of all time. When you get I'll to the him. end of the podcast and you encourage listeners to get in touch, I'm amazed how quickly you can say unitedpodcast.manana.co.uk. I tried really And that was very fast of you, Dan. Um, he says, congratulations on inviting Roy Keane to the podcast. Next time you talk, work out beforehand your answer to why he should come on. Good advice. Uh, my advice from Joe is, Helen... You should get Johnny on the show, especially after 100 episodes. However, I also think you'd be a fantastic guest. Mm. Being a wife and mother is the best and most important thing in the world. And remember, we wouldn't have any of these footballers without their mothers. I'd be fascinated to hear your experience and connections with the club. Maybe you can do an episode with both you and Johnny as guests. Thank you very much for that advice, Joe. Um, Maisie, your advice is, if you're listening anywhere, my favourite beginning of any of the podcasts was when you had Raymond van der Gaal. Welcome to the Old Trafford Show. Welcome to the Old Trafford Show. Some say it's better, the devil you know, coming at you. <laughs> it was also hilarious to hear you rave during that interview about how fit he was. Your laugh is contagious. I love it. It's fantastic to hear your insights, especially considering your experience playing with and against such incredible players during your career. Keep up the good work. All my best. Thank you very much indeed, Joe. He sends a lovely picture with his new Manchester United shirt on in front of his Christmas tree. Joe, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. And thanks for doing the maths Hmm. and for the feedback. Uh, I've got a tweet here from uh, Atanu says that he's finally listened to the United podcast with Katie Zellum uh, loved hearing the stories about Alan especially the fence one and how he has always been there for Katie her teammates when she was the only girl in the league supported her and defended her when people questioned how she was the captain uh, honestly can't wait to listen to the next podcast absolutely awesome thank you so much Atanu uh, thank you all of you for listening as always if you want to get in touch the address is Maynard United podcast at maynard.co.uk is that right? Because I say it so often, I don't even pay attention to what I'm saying. You know, podcast, I may not code, 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 code. Uh, That address is in the show notes. And we will be here next time. If you would like to send us anything you can, you can do it on Twitter or you can send it to the email address and leave us a review or a rating or whatever makes you feel good. We appreciate it all. See you next time. Bye-bye.